Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Charlton Live, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. My name is Louis Mendes. This is the big match preview on this week's show. We'll be looking back at the absolute disaster in the FA Cup, uh, the one-all draw with Cray Valley Paper Mills uh, at the Valley, and then, of course, ahead to uh, Saturday's away win uh, at Fratton Park. Thank God we've got that one in the bag, uh, going down to our favourite place where go and play football uh, on the weekend. Uh, joining me to speak about both those games, first up, top right, uh, is uh, first time for a while, Mr. Lewis Cat. Hey, Dean Lou. Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad we've had a couple of days to sort of digest what happened over the weekend. And if we were doing a show like a few hours after, I think it, it might have been a lot of swearing in it um, after what happened. Oh, but uh, yeah, we will, was, we will have to look else, back at that. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, and also join us, bottom of the screen there, uh, is Mr. Tom Wallin looking resplendent in a bright yellow hoodie? How you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm all right. Resplendent indeed. I was uh, I'd forgotten all about the Cray Valley game until I came on here. And then you said we've got to talk about it. I was like, oh yeah, that mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, I thought I got away with it this week because uh, you know, because so, the game was on Sunday. I was like, we're not going to do a show Sunday night. By the time I got home, it was yeah, too late. I thought I'm just not going to think about Charlton for a while. The very next day, like BBC Radio London are pointing out it's our turn for. The all about hour this week. So um, last night we had to talk about Charlton for an hour, and so I uh, could, could could have done without that. But yeah, um, we'll look back at the game. We're going to hear the goals and the reaction from uh, Michael Appleton as well. We will, of course, look ahead to Saturday's uh, trip down to the league leaders, Portsmouth. We're going to hear from uh, Andy Mitchellmore from the PO4 pod. Uh, he's going to tell us all about uh, the uh, the league leaders, Pompey. Uh, and uh, we'll hear from you guys as well. Good evening to everyone uh, joining us uh, in the chat. All hell let loose, Sam, Paul, YouTube user. Don't know how he came up with that name. Uh, Michael, Andrew, uh, David, Dean's in there. Um, Steph's in there, and, and Sam as well. Sam's asking, can we not just skip past the uh, the game against Cray Wanderers? Uh, okay, Cray Valley Paper Mills, as we should say, not Cray Wanderers, as the club text out in the build up to it. Um, Lewis, before we hear the goals back, then just your initial reaction. I mean, is is it the most embarrassing result in in our history? It's got to be up there. It, it's got to be up there, but. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just not surprised at all. Like it felt like an accumulation of different things were all gonna were come into play. Like the fact that we were on TV on a on a Sunday evening, you know, prime time slot for for the nation to watch. Um, it was only only Charlton esque that we ballsed it up, really, because uh, I've never known so many people in my office take such an interest in Charlton until this week. It's just there. Uh, it's been pretty outrageous, but look, I, I, I'm not overly surprised. I, embarrassed, yes, definitely. Um, and in terms of our results and our history, it's got to be up there as one of the worst. Um, but also, you have to give credit to to Cray because they were great. You know, second half especially. But look, we've got a, got a fun replay to look forward to now, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was. Um, I was pretty baffled on Sunday, to be honest. But mm. likewise, not overly surprised because this is Charlton Athletic. Yeah, I think I think one of the weirdest and most painful parts for me, and I don't know if this says a lot about the sort of, the sort of people I know or the fact that I obviously don't have enough friends, but no one took the mick out of me, which I was most surprised about. Like my boss rang me up on Monday morning. I was like, "Let's get this over and done with." The, the problem is that we're, we're so insignificant now as a football club that unless you're a proper football fan, people didn't even know how we embarrassed ourselves. But then the proper football fans did, and yeah, I'm sure a lot of you were getting both barrels from uh, Millwall Palace and whoever else fans when you went into work on the Monday. Let's have a listen back to the goals then uh, from Charlton TV. Your commentators were Terry Smith and Greg Stubbley. Receives the ball from that free kick. Anderson coming short on the right-hand side, still in the Charlton half. Ball forward to Campbell. It'll touch back to Anderson, who c- continues his run into the... Cray Valley half. It's a lovely ball forward to Fraser, who skips around the keeper and buries the opening goal for Charlton. 
Well, it's a bit of class. The ball through finding Fraser. He's got the composure to take it round the goalkeeper. You know, I'm surprised that Cray Valley have allowed a lot of space for Cholton in the final third. There's been a couple of times Campbell got a shot away, Anderson got an attempt, but there's a ball forward. I didn't see who actually made the pass, but it's a lovely it was, run. Uh, Anderson, it was a lovely one-two between Anderson and Campbell, who'd come short. Anderson, who started the move inside the Charlton half on the right side. Ball forward to Campbell, gave it back to Anderson, who kept his run through going. Tedic made a run one way, and Fraser made a run through the middle. And it was Fraser that was picked out, and he just skipped round Sam Freeman, coming out of his six-yard box. Anderson with the touch, for Charlton. strong play from Ibrahim, wins the ball back. Looks towards Lisby in a penalty. It's a lovely ball. Lisby with the ball across and Lucas Ness taps into his own net. And Cray Valley have an equaliser. Yeah, that all came about down that left-hand side. The ball behind a banquet. Got Lisby on his motor. First time ball into the box. Parker was there, but as you say, it looked like Ness might have turned that into his own goal. And Lisby with the run. It's a wonderful cross. And I said... Cray Valley had plenty of bodies inside the penalty area. It was actually a Charlton player who tapped it into his own net. Simway can't get there, and that may be time. It is. That's the final whistle. It's a draw here. And here we go again at the Badger Sports Ground in Elton. Cray Valley quite rightly celebrate the way to our right-hand side. I'll tell you, I can't fathom what I've just watched. I, I really cannot. That was quite frankly one of the most embarrassing performances you'll see from the Charlton side in recent years. There we go. Stubbers not mincing his words at the end there, Tom. Um, it was it was embarrassing, you know. Um, I, I, I highlighted on Twitter after the game that um, you know Andy Scott said around the time that the Michael Appleton was uh, appointed and, and this isn't a dig specifically of the manager or any or anything like that it's just a, about where we have been as a club and s- still are in many cases it's a you know, we've, we've had a, a a mentality of almost accepting mediocrity that was one of the most painful things about the end of last season for me was the acceptance of mediocrity and obviously Andy Scott has quite rightly come out and said that they've got to fix it but it's one thing saying it everyone involved in the club has to now go through and do it and results like what happened on Sunday suggests to me that they haven't done it yet. Yeah, not not really acceptable, is it? And we have to give credit to, to Cray Valley because that second half, they really gave it a good go and they saw there was a Charlton team there that could be beaten or could they could get something from the game. Uh, and I think they, they deserved that. But from our point of view, it, I'm glad that Greg used uh, in recent years because Charlton have got a proud history of doing this sort of thing, sadly, or certainly in my memory. But um, yeah, I think that, I guess it's summed up by my feeling, which in that second half, I mean, I live half an hour cycle ride from the Valley, didn't bother going, had nothing else to do, watched it on telly. And during the second half, I was like, ah, if we lose, I just don't don't really care. But what I couldn't, what was really getting me annoyed wasn't the result. It was the the performances and the effort. And if I'm not prepared to go, then obviously I've got to be careful about about slagging the players. But at the same time, they're the ones getting paid to be out there and represent us. And they should be putting a game like that away. We've had a pretty good run on the whole. I know we've had a couple of, of dodgy results more recently. but And I know that the, the 11 comes in for question because they haven't played together and there was a lot of people who hadn't played a lot of football. But that 11 out there was more than capable of, uh, of beating a, a team that are in the what eighth tier of football. And they've not done it. And as Greg says, that in itself is embarrassing. And yeah, we have no divine right to beat any team. But when you go up against a team that are that much worse on paper than you, you should be able to put them away. And the fact we didn't is is an embarrassment. And the fact we've now got to go and play at a ground where they've had to try and expand their ground just to get enough people in. And they can't even they can't even take all the away fans into their own home ground because it's so small. Like that is embarrassing for a club of our level, even though we're in League One. Uh, and it's not good enough. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny the way it's come about, really, because I, I was gutted that that draw wasn't away from home in the first place because I thought that'd be a great sort of event for the local area. Obviously, there, w- there will be fewer people in attendance than, than there were at the Valley, just taking into account the Cray Valley fans, Lewis. But um, yeah, we, the, the fact we find ourselves in this situation after that game, where do you start? So 11 changes, obviously, was was interesting. You know, Michael Appleton was at the Bromley game the day before and he was talking about how, you know, you take the 
the, the cup seriously. And but so so there's two schools of thought really there. You know, did he invite that upon himself by making those eleven changes, or is it the fact that well, to an extent, you have to understand that eleven players, professional footballers, should be able to go out and beat you know some 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 part timers who played up over a hundred positions below us in in the league pyramid. Which you know you have to repeat that like. One one thing that, that does wind me up is when any fans try and just put these results to the side and say oh, it doesn't matter because it really does, you know. And, and and again, it comes back to what Andy Scott said he's going to deliver, which is a no no acceptance of of being a losing club or being a mediocre club. That that's got to change. So, where where do you start, Lewis? Is, is did we make too too many changes? What was you know been mixed and match? Should the lineup that we put out have impressed us more anyway? I think ultimately. I think you hit the nail on the head with the with the personnel there. Like, yes, it's eleven changes, but all of those players play at League One level, you know, fa- fairly uh, regularly. Even if even if not with us, you know, the likes. I know we've had like Conor McGrandles coming back from injury, but you know, Tedich and Campbell are both Premier League loans. They may not be playing in the Premier League, but they are Premier League loans on on loan from Premier League clubs. Charlie Kirk, we we paid a a, a very large fee for. To play at this level, Terrell Thomas starts for us every week. No, you know, regardless of what people may think of his performance, Teo Eden, Lucas Ness last season was being touted as as a real prospect. These aren't bad players, you know. If we, if we'd have come out and put our under 18s out against them and drawn one all, then maybe I'd be a little bit more not, not understanding as such, but I'd be a, I'd be more critical um, in terms of the changes. Be like, well, why have we done that? We're not taking the cup seriously. I think ultimately we have a fairly injury-ridden squad and our luck with injuries is pretty poor. So we've rested some of those key players, the likes of Alfie May, Miles Burns, and people like that because some of these players need minutes. Some of these players need confidence. Tedich needs some confidence. Kirk needs some confidence. Campbell, like all these players. And it's a chance for them to get on the pitch and, and, and do something. And They've come out against eighth tier opposition and they've done themselves no favours. I mean, I don't think any of them could be knocking on the door of, of Appleton demanding a place in, in the squad or, or the starting eleven. I think, you know, it was pretty, pretty outrageous. And whether they didn't overly respect um, Cray Valley as an opponent and thought maybe underestimated what they were going to bring and thought it was going to be a walk in the park, and especially after scoring so early through through Scott Fraser. Maybe maybe we misjudged this situation on, on the field, but I think overall it, it, it just kind of highlights the character of some of the bodies that we have in the building. And, you know, Appleton, we'll probably hear from him shortly, but said at the end of it that the, some players gave him, you know, he, he saw a lot from some players and how they reacted to disappointment and, and maybe what they're going to do and where they're going to fit in in that squad moving forwards. And I think it was a pretty scathing um, report, really, because... It, it was embarrassing. I thought I thought Greg summed it up perfectly at the end of that commentary. You know, it, it was pretty low. And I, I know last season you said we'd hit our lowest ebb. Um, I, I think this this felt worse. And it, and it wasn't because of the result against Cray Valley because ultimately, you know, they're a local side. And it's, it's a great cup story, regardless that it's against us. It's the effort that it took, you know, from our players, the, the lack of effort shown that was what, you know, resulted in us drawing that game. Mm, the... the annoying thing about lowest ebbs is that they they, they are quite enduring and I'd, I'd suggest that the hangover from last season and, and the fact that we still find ourselves in League One means that we are still at our lowest ebb I mean obviously it's up for debate but I, I put I put it to, to most people that this is the worst the club's ever been on the pitch you know obviously when we were in the third tier for eight or nine years in the 20s that was when we came into it from below and then stayed there and then went up and then we've only gone back into it for, you know, flits here and there, three seasons here and there. Obviously, this is the fourth season now. That's why we are our lowest. That's why results on, like like we saw on Sunday, are particularly painful because it's just a reminder of how far we've fallen. And until that changes, um, then we are still at our lowest ebb as far as I'm concerned. And that's just a, a symptom of it is the fact that you, you go and play a, a, aside from the eighth tier of, of English football um you know and uh, and can't win and, and and probably don't deserve to win as well i mean that there's some people who said um 
that the Millers maybe looked more likely at the end. I don't think I quite agree with that. I mean, over the course of 90 minutes, we obviously had more chances, but it wasn't like an emphatic one, like we were well on top performance, Tom, which was the most annoying thing. I mean, Sam saying that team should be good enough on paper, but you can't be resting players in the FA Cup, especially against non-league teams. It's got to be one of the lowest days uh, in the club's history. Luckily, uh, they have a chance to put it right. Paul's asking uh, if there was uh, any effort there, and it was Andrew who said he felt the Millers looked more likely to score a winner. They did have a couple of half chances at the end, didn't they? That free kick, uh, that cross that came in where Nathan Simway slipped, and luckily the uh, the forward didn't see it coming. But it, it comes back to to the question which Paul's put in the chat. You know, Andy, the team builder, can he fix it? Answers. Uh, on, on a postcard, Michael saying, we looked terrible, didn't we? Answers all those questions about those players not starting. Now, the important thing about that team that played on Sunday, Tom, is if, uh, I mean, if you include the keeper, who's obviously only just come in, uh, Sam Walker, who didn't have a great deal to do. He had he won one or two slightly nervous moments, I think, with crosses, if I remember rightly. But th- there's quite a lot of, of the new signings in there as well. I mean, there were players that have been in this, team for a while which were bad as well which we'll talk about shortly but the fact that a bank was in there Eden Campbell Tedich and with Wall coming that's five new signings that presumably we've brought in to make the side better who started the game on Sunday and didn't have have we done enough in terms of making this side better and making the squad better I was just about to say I don't know about the side but I think the squad is a key point because I know a lot of those players aren't starting um, but they are still players that we're expecting to come off the bench and make a difference. They're not players that have been out completely in the wilderness on the most part. Um, and, and the ones that have played, you know, I think, uh, I know Tedic hasn't scored yet. I'm not going to say he's been amazing, but Tedic has shown OK patches in, in league games, which is why I go back to the point that it, it looked like a lack of effort for me. Lewis had it right as well. N- none of them are kind of justifying knocking on Apple's door now and, and saying, right, I deserve a place in the in the league team because he can just point them to that performance and say, well, absolutely, no, you don't. So it's a really difficult one. I think, I can't remember if you put it on Twitter, but I saw it somewhere. If you run through all of the signings we've made since the summer, what, Louis Watson, I think, has looked very good. Alfie obviously came anyway and we knew he was going to be good. So, it, you know, I, I'm not I'm not too surprised by that. Not a whole host of others that have really stood out and blown me away yet. Um, and probably Jones at the back. I think they're, they're kind of the key three. And that's maybe the start of a new core in this side. But to go back to your question, is it enough? It's, it's nowhere near enough. And, and Paul's just put in the chat there about the leaders again. Me and Nath talked about it the last show the two of us were on. That leadership thing still remains. Um, you know, Dobbo just about is, I think, the only one I would really say is, is a decent leader. Uh, and arguably that's not enough. So to go back to my previous answer where I said I didn't really care that we drew the game, you know, I'm not fussed if we get knocked out of the FA Cup. I am fussed if we put in a performance like we did. So it's not that I'm not, I don't care about that lack of performance. I was really disappointed and embarrassed to be a Charlton fan on Sunday because of the lack of lack of desire, lack of effort. And, and that seeps through the whole club, exactly like you said. And I think you're kind of running out of synonyms for kind of um, bottom of the barrel or, or whatever these days because it seems to be happening week in, week out at the moment. Mm, I'm scraping the barrel for those synonyms, unfortunately. Um, uh, Tedic has scored, though. Don't forget against Wickham, he scuffed one in uh, with pretty much his first touch, but that was uh, a, a while ago. Um, yeah, I mean, Paul said he thought that Chem stood out uh, in the first half, but that's not saying much. Um, I mean, we, 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 I'm always wary of when, when one player in particular gets pointed out after a really bad performance. But I don't, I don't, where the whole team was bad, but I don't think we can go without pointing out that, that Charlie Kirk had a, a a difficult evening. You know, it's been mentioned uh, quite a few times in the chat already. You know, he was um, jeered off when, when they read out his name. Uh, when Brian read out his name for the sub, he was he sort of cheered, wasn't he, ironically. Um, there, there was in- incidents on, on social media as well with family members getting involved, which is, which is always a sad look, I think. You don't, you don't want to see that either way. Um, but yeah, my dad came to me the next day and said something that a lot of people have said on forums. They said, I don't understand how this guy can ever wear a Charlton shirt again. Is that the stage where you're at, Lewis? I think so. Yeah, I mean, it, look, I think with Charlie Kirk, it's it's been a really, you know, tragic story. Really, with him joining, obviously, when he came over um, initially, he, he was going through some really difficult personal times, um, which I think 
lots of people would forgive, like the first season, maybe him not being completely at the races because he had a hell of a lot going on with, with losing his father, which was incredibly sad. Um, but I felt like at that point that people were, were kind of behind him. Like, yeah, some of the performances weren't great. He went out on loan. When he came back last season, on uh, at the start of the season, that it was sort of like a renewed excitement around getting him back because he'd done kind of okay in the championship with Blackpool. Um, it, it never really happened. And, you know, he start, started all right. I think he got a brace last year up at, up at Burton. And you're thinking, oh, okay, is he going to kickstart now? Subsequently ends up on loan there the back end of the season. And we go again, is this going to be his season under another manager? No, it doesn't work out. And it just feels like sometimes, you know, it's, it's difficult. I think ultimately it becomes very, very tough to turn around um, an opinion. You know, I think the only person I've seen do it in sort of recent Charlton history, I suppose, is Nabi Saar. Like there was that, it almost felt like he had no way back. But he managed to turn it around, but I I do feel like there were the two different attitudes. You know, I, when I see when I saw Nabi Sar play, it was never through lack of trying. I think it was it was a bit different. Sometimes when I look at Charlie Kirk, I feel like I'm not I'm not seeing the effort. It feels like he's he's coming on the pitch defeated all the time. That then you know translates out to the fans as well. The fans are in the seats thinking, "Oh, Charlie Kirk's coming on." Oh, and there's this big negative around him. And it and it gets to a point in football, and this isn't just Charlton, it's football in general, where you do become a bit of a scapegoat. There's so many of them in the professional game at the moment. You know, Harry Maguire being a prime example. It, it becomes very, very difficult to turn it around. And I think you have to have a certain mentality and a certain strength and character to, to turn around a, a negative um, view on yourself within a football club. And I don't think that Charlie Kirk has that strength and attitude to do that I think ultimately what's best for him is that that he gets moved on whether whether that happens obviously he's got to get interest and in his you know for his well-being he's going to have to try and get some suitors because he's a professional footballer and you're you're a long time retired when your career is over he's kind of wasting years here now he needs to needs to get a move where he can go on and 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 just crack on and do something else because it's, it's not worked here and you know it's not going to do him any good sticking around, but he's not going to get himself many potential suitors if he puts in performances like he did on on Sunday, especially against you know opposition of of Cray Valley's level. Mm, yeah, uh, I mean Dean saying I hope Kirk is not in the squad. Or I'm the uh, first train out of Fratton uh, on Saturday. Also added that he's nicking uh, a living as well. Um, Sam said further down, McGrandles and Chem looked fairly fairly well. Uh, possible options. Kirk was very poor and definitely needs moving on regardless of cost. I would play a strong side on Wednesday uh, so we can show how good we are. I mean, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about the, the replay uh, on Sunday. Obviously, we'll, we'll look ahead to it a bit. I want to I play you the Michael Appleton interview now just so you can hear what he said and then we'll come back and just react to what he said uh, about the Cray game uh, and then we'll worry about looking forward to the game uh, with Portsmouth as well. This is what Michael uh, or Mickey Apple said to me after the game against Cray. A humbling experience in the FA Cup this evening. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was disappointing. Disappointing with some of the performances of a few of the players. I expected a little bit more. Um, I think probably up until the goal, it was okay. Um, still a little bit safe by a few players. Not really wanting to make the impact that I expected they, they would do. Um, but it was probably the disappointment after the goal, really. You know, there was a lot of anxiety with a few of the players in the group, and yeah, they really sort of struggled after that. To be fair, um, obviously bringing the subs in, subs on made it a little bit better, but again, it was um, yeah, it was a hard watch at times. There were obviously opportunities given to players who haven't played in the first team a great deal this evening. Has anyone really sort of given you the performance you were looking for, and after you've given them that chance? Um, yeah, um, I thought Young Karai sort of certainly for the first sort of 60 minutes or so um you know I, I think he certainly was one that definitely was asking a question uh in terms of you know trying to stake a claim um to being around it um beyond that I'm probably going to forget but beyond that I struggle to to find anyone else if I'm being honest if I'm being brutally honest um which is sometimes a good thing because when I mean, you get Players knocking on your door, you get agents ringing up. Why is my player not playing? Or why am I not playing? 
these type of days um, that's quite good for managers and coaches sometimes because you know you just have to remind them of the performances on days like today um, and again like I say the, 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 the one real positive thing from today is we get in a second crack at it Andy Scott, when you were employed, sort of uh, spoke about wanting to increase the mentality of the club and changing the, the mediocrity that has been perhaps still bubbling below the surface. So was that a disappointment that it came back to the fore this evening? Well, I don't think it did, because if, if I would have made sort of different selection to the group, then it would, have been a, it would have been a different scenario. But I think sometimes you've got to sort of manage and balance um, the group as best you possibly can and... I certainly felt that the starting eleven was more than capable of winning the game tonight. Um, and I still do, uh, regardless of how sort of poor some of the performances were. Um, but in terms of a mentality, you know, <clears throat> I think it's difficult to sort of blame people who've not played tonight or have not had much of a game tonight. When you're talking about mentality, you're talking about a group that, you know, for certainly 10 games or so prior today, before we before the game today, I think we showed enough mentality to show that when we go a goal behind or when it gets a little bit tough, they can deal with that. So um, I reserve judgment on that one. Let's wait to see what happens in the replay. Yeah, obviously, after 11 changes, a lot of questions always come on the management. As you say, you should have had enough out there to have still won the game anyway. No, yeah, listen, I take full responsibility. The other day, I picked the team, so I take full responsibility of picking the team. And obviously, clearly, it was the wrong one today. Um, Big enough, had enough games to sort of deal with them type of situations but what I would say is that at least we've got a second crack at it at least we're still in the cup we've still got an opportunity to, to get the job done um, and I would imagine after that and when the players see it back they'll probably be sort of really looking forward to it there we go. That's Michael Appleton speaking to myself after the FA Cup game, Tom. I mean, what, what did you make of what he had to say? Obviously, he took full responsibility for the result following his 11 changes. But, you know, I did ask him about the mentality and he, he sort of took it as a, a question about the whole group. And, and while I accept that while we've had, you know, first team players, you know, playing in the league, we, we've shown a bit. Although over the last three games, obviously, Lincoln, we, we melted Bolton we got done by a much better side and then the Wigan game we were fine for most of it and then we panicked a lot you know so obviously there's still a few questions there um but the the fact that you know that there are players you know maybe maybe Charlie is one that fans have pointed out but there's plenty probably in that in that side that started where you're asking questions about did they take the game by the scruff of net maybe in Scott Fraser you know he had a great start to the game but then you know he, he was wearing a captain's armband where, where's he sort of pulling all the strings to make sure we win that game yeah, I think um, it felt a little bit like he was kind of batting that question away and not really answering it in the way that perhaps you wanted him to. Um, so a bit of a politician's answer, taking the uh, the question the way he wants to see it instead. And Because I agree with you, I think we've spoken enough about that and I think all three of us certainly are on the same page um, about kind of the mentality and where we are. It's good that he takes responsibility for picking the side as that's literally his job, so that's encouraging. But um, yeah... It, it didn't fill me with confidence. It's all well and good coming out and saying, well, at least we're still in the club and we get another go at it. But, you know, they're an eighth tier side to come out of that result and go, oh, well, we get another go at them. Like, that, that's not really acceptable, again, for, for Charlton, particularly off the back of Andy's interview where he's saying, you know, about kind of turning this ship around. So I don't want to be too down on him because he's still relatively new at the club. He's still probably not got his players in to the fullest extent yet. He might be protecting some of them a little bit, although whether they deserve it is another question. Uh, and arguably, he's got to work with some of them at the very least until January. So, you know, he's not going to... Um, we also don't know what goes on behind closed doors. But, you know, we've had the likes of Boya who were, you know, not afraid to come in and criticise his players after a bad performance. Was that the right thing? I don't know. Um, even people like Carl Robinson, who were just brutally honest about performances. So, yeah, it didn't fill me with, with confidence necessarily. But as I say, he's still new to the job. I'm not going to get on his back too much. I just think this mentality thing that you've kind of picked up on, particularly post-Sunday, is is a big thing. And I think maybe they're going to need a few windows to really know where that's at um, before they, they can answer it. The problem is, is any manager going to get those windows? Because that's the thing I come back to every time we sack a manager is he gets two windows at best to try and turn it around. And, and you need a little bit more than that. Yeah, and and obviously will will they be backed with the the quality of the 
the recruitment. I mean, you mentioned earlier, it is actually in my plans to one Thursday show, go for a list of all the signings we've made this year and decide if we if we had a successful transfer window or not. And obviously do it from when Andy and, and, and Charlie and that lot took over because obviously a couple came in before then as well. So we want to give them a fair crack at it. But obviously when, when you look back at what happened last January, we didn't have a very good window, unfortunately. Um, and, and there's question marks over a fair number of the players that we brought in this year, I think. But we'll we'll debate that. A couple of people saying they agree with you, Tom. All hell let loose saying, uh, was I watching a different game? I thought McGrandles uh, was anonymous in midfield uh, against a tier eight side. Right, uh, let's draw a line under that for now. Let, let's worry about it again on, on Wednesday. We'll have a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will start to turn our attention uh, to the trip to Portsmouth uh, over the weekend. Thinking about a new kitchen or bathroom? Find professional, independent local installers with free home surveys, itemised quotes and protected payments, trading standards approved contracts and workmanship warranties. The British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom, Bathroom Installations accredits installers to ensure they are police checked, fully insured and experienced. Take the risk out of home improvement. Visit bikbbi.org.uk. Hello fellow addicts, I'm so excited to tell you all about our micropub, The River Owl House. The River Owl House is based in East Greenwich, it has six Pub of the Year awards, an ever-changing selection of amazing beer. It's owned by Chomp fans, walkable to the ground in just 20 minutes with buses that go direct to the Valley too. If your matchday routine includes a drink with your friends, you must join your fellow addicts in the river. See you soon. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches and fine jewellery? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. Um, hopefully we can forget that the Cray Valley Paper Mills game ever happened now uh, for a few days at least. Let's start to concentrate on uh, the guaranteed three points we always get, uh, of course, when we head down to, to Fratton Park. That always cheers me up. Uh, each of our last seven visits to Fratton Park, we've won. Uh, we've also won 10 of our past 11 games down there. There's There's been two friendlies in that time down there, which we've also won. I'm fairly confident we've won down there in the Papa John's, or whatever it's called as well, although I might be misremembering that. So we're on a bit of a mad winning streak down on, uh, on Port Sea Island. Uh, the man who's going to come and tell us why that's going to end uh, this weekend uh, is Andy Mitchellmore from the PO4 pod. Uh, Andy joins us uh, live on Charlton Live uh, this evening. Andy, thanks so much for... For joining us, um, you must be full of confidence with your side unbeaten in about a million years and, and top of the league. Good evening. Yeah, I was, I was fairly confident until that nice little intro <laughs> you gave us there. So thank you for that. It's um, nothing like putting a smile on your guest's face just before you bring them into the call. So yeah, things are, are looking good for us based on track record. If you're one of those people that believes in patterns, then uh, we might be in a bit of trouble this weekend. It's such a, it's such a freak run of results because all of these games are obviously standalone, you know, different 11s different sides every week every every season it does, doesn't make any sense but i love it um it, it pro- well uh, a lot of people will be expecting it to be different this year partly because uh, you're unbeaten since march so you you've you've not lost at all in the league this season obviously you had your own little fa cup uh, horror show uh, over the weekend arguably not as bad as ours but w- what's been so good about about your team this year yeah i think it's fairly well publicized that they don't seem to know when they're beaten it's the number of points we picked up from losing positions has been something that is a noticeable improvement uh, than it was under, you know, Danny Cowley or, or Kenny Jacket. And I mean, I think it's the first 30 minutes of the game. I'm guessing you're going to ask where we're vulnerable at some point. It's that first half an hour. Uh, it takes us quite a while to settle into the game at times. And then just when you think it's not going to happen, 
things tend to kick into gear. So I think from the 30th minute onwards this season is something like we've scored 20 and conceded three. But that first half an hour of the game, we're a little bit susceptible. But that's basically what's clicked. And there's been a lot of, you know, 75th minute onwards limbs in away ends because, you know, they just don't seem to know when they're beaten. And there always seems to be that, you know, that one last chance you get when you're a goal down in a game and there's that one final opportunity you know your team's going to get. And that has just kept going in. So, yeah, absolutely no complaints from our end. Obviously, we do tend to start the league fairly well. I keep getting these Facebook memories from five years ago, three years ago, two years ago with us in a similar position. And uh, the one thing that's very noticeable is that it says League One at the top of those memories as well. So it doesn't always end so well. But I think we're, we're pretty content with how things have been going. It would be foolish of me to, to not say that. Yeah, Andy, that was going to be my question, actually. It was about, from memory, every time I, I look back at League One over the last few seasons, Portsmouth have always started so strongly and it's always looked like it's going to be your year. And then as the season goes on, it always just it fizzles out. And I always find it really surprising. You obviously made the managerial change last year, bringing in uh, John Mazzino. What What's he brought um, to, to you guys as a club? Um, and does it feel a little bit different with him at the helm? Because when you appointed him, I must say I was a little bit surprised because he, he almost came out of a, a playing role almost straight into a fairly big job, in my opinion. How has he yeah. sort of taken to you guys since he's taken the role? Yeah, you're not the only one that was fairly surprised. There were about 150,000 of us that had a pretty similar reaction, to be honest with you. Uh, he wasn't at the top of the sort of the betting odds shortlist. I think he's just brought a sense of composure. I mean, it's very easy for me to say that when we haven't really had any serious lows since he joined, but you do get the impression from him that the highs aren't going to be too high, the lows aren't going to be too low. It's a 46-game season and it's kind of a, a trust the process where we've had managers pay lip service to that before, but haven't necessarily followed through when the goings got tough. I think with Danny Cowley, unfortunately, it was fairly clear that he lost the dressing room. It, with hindsight, it looks fairly clear that that is what happened, which was unfortunate. And uh, there, there were myriad problems with with Kenny Jack at tenure towards the end. But Massinho has come in, and as you say, he was a bit out of nowhere, um, which I think has helped us a little bit because he's come in with a clean slate. He's shown that he's not afraid to reorganise things partway through a half. One of the things we noticed with Danny Cowley is that he tended to reorganise at a break. So if things weren't going well after 25 minutes for whatever reason, you'd see a reshuffle at halftime. Whereas Messino seems a lot more comfortable making those in-game changes, um, which has, especially in games like, I think the Peterborough game earlier this season, first 20, 25 minutes, we were overrun. Um, because our right back and left back were pushing too high up the pitch and uh, their left winger was just getting in behind every time, made an adjustment after 25 minutes and then we were brilliant for the rest of the game. So, yeah, that that in-game tactical nous composure, although he's got in an argument on in the touchline of two of the last three games, seemingly. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to answer what, what's making that X factor so far. I think it'll be easier to answer that when we've actually had a bit of a rough patch. But we are kind of waiting for it to go all a little bit wrong, uh, to be honest with you, whether it's because of an enforced break because of COVID like it was the other year or international breaks messing up our momentum or Messina running back to Oxford United and it's all just been a big scam. I don't know. There's We're waiting for something to go wrong, to be honest. What will go wrong is us beating you out of nowhere again, probably. No, that, that's um, expected. No, that, that oh, yeah, be fair that's not the catalyst. We're all just okay with that. We've, we've resigned ourselves to it, to be honest with you. Good, good. Um, <laughs> this next question might also be slightly hard to answer based on the fact you've said that Massinho likes to kind of change things around mid-game. But in terms of setting up, is that starting games, is he tending to set up in the same way every week? And, and what's your sort of, not necessarily players, but what sort of formation do you play and what sort of style is he tend to play in? Yeah, so you're likely to see a 4-2-3-1 unless sort of we're pushed up against the wall. So we had a red card early in the week and we got forced into a sort of three centre-back with two wing-backs. But that was very much not the plan. That was only because Raggett got red carded after 19 minutes. So generally, yeah, you'll see 4-2-3-1. You'll see us wanting to play it out short from the back. So a lot of our goal kicks off the ground from Norris will have two players in the box with him, one to either side, trying to play it out from the back. 
um, which does lead to some squeaky bum time moments, but they're escaping a lot of criticism at the moment because it hasn't really resulted in uh, any real catastrophes in big game moments. So yeah, playing it out from the back, very patient once we get around the opposition half. Uh, once we go over the halfway line, they're not, not afraid to just pass sideways for a bit, bide their time and wait for what they perceive to be the right moment. So it won't be a sort of a quick hoof the ball forward to, to Colby Bishop as a number nine and hope that one of the wingers is playing off him. When we do that, we tend to struggle a bit. Uh, Bishop had look, looked isolated a little bit in a few games this season. And one of the things that clicked in after we went 2-0 down against Reading was Devlin being able to sort of stay close to Bishop and play off some of those long balls. So generally, it's been fairly attractive football, to be honest with you. But again, it's easy to say that when we've won 10 and drawn five. But it's not ugly, attritional football. Um, having said that, there's a couple of injuries that are potentially going to impact us in this game, I would imagine. But um, yeah, that 4-2-3-1 is, is what I'd expect to see. So who are like the, the, the danger men that we will become? Where oh, There's a couple of questions as well. I mean, uh, all hell let loose is asking if Marlon Pack will be available because he obviously got sent off twice against us last season. So it'd be useful if you can throw him into the mix. So is, is he likely to be involved? And is Colby Bishop the, the main threat? Obviously, he's the top goal scorer. But is, is there someone else we should be keeping our eye on as well? Yeah, um, I wouldn't expect to see Pack. He's out with, a, with an injury. I think he's nearing fitness, but I would be very, very surprised to see him turn out this weekend, 100% not starting. I'd be stunned if he started. I don't think we'll be seeing him even in the squad. Uh, Bishop, yeah, main goal scoring threat. Uh, over any 90 minutes, he tends to get, you know, one or two really good chances dropped to him just because his situational and positional awareness is so good in the box, around that 18-yard box. Um, having said that, we've looked fairly dangerous from set pieces in terms of centre-backs coming forward. Uh, Shaughnessy, one of our centre-backs, has scored a couple of absolutely clutch goals in the final few minutes of games this season. And then um, we've got Robertson on loan from Man City, who is sort of centre midfield, who has looked super dangerous, hasn't got the goal to cap it as yet in the league, but has come extremely close and he's probably fairly due, I would imagine. And then other than Bishop, they're sort of an even even contribution of goals from around the rest of the side but Bishop is that player that if he pulls his hamstring in the 25th minute you'll just feel the the place will deflate like a balloon if uh, if that happens because we'll know the implications that would have on our season mm. but um yeah in terms of goal scoring Bishop uh keep an eye out for Jack Sparks he's got probably the best delivery I've seen in for for quite a while at Fratton Park he'll be playing on the left um, he's come into the team as a starter because Con uh, Ogilvy, Conor Ogilvy uh, picked up an injury a while ago and wasn't really a known player to many Pompey fans, Jack Sparks, but his delivery into the box from the left is gorgeous. Like, even I think as a, as a neutral, you'd enjoy seeing what he puts on a plate for, for players who are in the box. So those are probably who I'd identify as the danger men. Excellent. Well, with our record defending set pieces, I can assure you I won't be enjoying um, anything from Sparks over the weekend. But um, Andy, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to we're going to ruin your season on Saturday when we come down, of course. But thanks for your time and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. No, you're all good. It's not the not the last time you've ruined my evening, and it won't be the won't be the last time either. I'd yeah. imagine. So yeah, enjoy the game, Dad. Uh, Jens. Cheers. Cheers. There we go. That's Andy. Um, Mitchell Moore from the PO4 pod he's a doctor actually he's the second one we've had on the show uh, so far this season the Shrewsbury fan we've had uh, was a professor or something like we're just getting all the boffins lined up this uh, this this uh, season for some reason although I think Andy's the first time I've ever heard a doctor use the word clutch um, which uh, just shows he's down with the kids like Lewis is um, Lewis would, would you make a Portsmouth um, it's got to end sometime this run this ridiculous run we have down at Fratton Park uh, we're, we're a better place to start than this Saturday. I mean, it's it's going to be a real test. It is, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're in a real rich vein of form. Um, they'll be right up for it. It's obviously always a really difficult place to go for other sides, I suppose, rather than us. But, um, yeah, the atmosphere there is always really, really good. It, it feels like a proper, uh, you know, a proper game when you go down there. It's always always busy, Fratton Park, and you get a great atmosphere, which makes a great day out and obviously helps massively when we always seem to get the results. But it's going to be a difficult one. Obviously, the run is there, but also we're, we're obviously they're, they're on a bit of a decent run. 
they look good, they're top of the league, their confidence will be really high. But I also imagine that that we've been given a bit of a kick in this week on the training ground for for that performance on on Sunday against Cray, uh, Cray Valley. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see if there's that reaction. Obviously, not many of the players that I imagine will start on Saturday would have played in that FA Cup game. But even still, it's still going to take that uh, big turnaround. People are going to want to see a big performance and a reaction Um after the, the sort of humiliation at the weekend. So it's going to be a great day out, a real tough test. I think, you know, Appleton said it, didn't he, against Bolton, that it's a, a marker of where we are and we, we got a little bit humbled against them. So it'd be interesting to see how we do against a side that are flying themselves, but we have that record against, see if we can, if you know, if we can make the most of that or not. Yeah, I mean, re- records are coincidences, which is the sad, the sad thing about it. Even though you know I've enjoyed every trip I've had to to Fratton Park because of that. How how do we go out and win this game then, Tom? Obviously, like that that that, that that's what we got to do. We we got to not not sit here thinking, feeling sorry for ourselves. You know, we're off the back of an embarrassing result. We're going to the league leaders. Let's just pray we go out and then get. A, how do we go and make sure that we that we start the way we did against Wigan. What, what do we do in order to go and take the game to, to Portsmouth or at least get some sort of foothold in, in the early stages? Yeah, and that, that's what worries me because um, Andy said they, they start slowly, so we need to start quick and notoriously we don't. And then at the end of the game, they then come on strong and very rare that we put 245s together. So if we do start quick, then there's a good chance we'll drop off towards the end and they'll beat us that way. So it's... It's one of them where it seems like whatever we do, they're they're going to find a way around it. But we ha- we have to start fast. If he's right, if they're slow, then we we have to do that. Um, we have to be more uh, defensively sound. I think that is key. We know the likes of Miles, uh, of Corey, of, of Alfie. They can do the business up front. They're they're all capable of a little bit of magic. Um, so and with our record down there, you know, I know it is just a thing like you say teams change but you know that mentality we're talking about mentality a lot on this show in terms of the club you go back to a familiar dressing room and all of that you know even if one or two of the players are the same that might help so if we can start quick if some of them can get a bit of magic then for me it's just about being defensively sound and sadly that's the other thing that we've really struggled with this season so I think we're looking at it and probably we looked at all of them as tough games every time and we come out of them with a result but this is certainly one I'm not going in with a huge amount of confidence and expecting us to come out with a result but uh having said that it's not impossible you know I know we had the bad the bad performance of the weekend and a couple of you know we had that winning run under apples and that had now slipped away but you know we're still picking up results you know we're not we're not awful we're not dropping off the edge of a cliff there's going to be a lot of changes maybe not quite the 11 that all hell let loose once although maybe not that far away um, so I think it, we're more than capable of getting result. I w- just wouldn't have us down as favourites at this stage. The, the the sort of litmus test against the sides at the top end of the table, Lewis, obviously we spoke about that before the Bolton game. Uh, I'm just running through the table because obviously it's changed since I last checked this stat, but I think it is still five points from a possible 18 against sides in the top 10, which obviously shows we have struggled to compete. At, uh, you know, against teams of the level that we expect us to be or, or want us to be. So, what what can we learn about us again on Saturday? What can what can Michael get his team to go out and, and tell the fans to give us a little bit more belief that we can that we can still compete with those sides who are at the right end of League One. I think nothing speaks louder than results, does it? You know, like if we go there on Saturday and we get a decent result, a decent win, you know, a sold out away end it'll be it gives everyone that lift and you know obviously we then got the international break there's a little bit of time there it's tough because of the injuries as well that we have like I'm thinking have we got the break to get players back we haven't really have we so ultimately the squad we got at the moment is the squad we have until January I think what you said earlier about how we're going to invest in in January is key but what will be key to that as well is where we are because I can't imagine any owner or owners, God knows how many of them there are, are going to be interested in putting their hands in their pockets to invest in something that may already be gone. Like It always feels like we get to this point in the season and any any sort of hope of promotion or top six feels pretty thin. I think the quality of the league this year is much worse than previously because, I mean, what are we at the moment? Five points off the top six. And I think we've been pretty poor overall. Like, there's been some weeks where we've looked better. There's been some where we've been poor. 
the fact we're still within touching distance kind of shows how bad the division is when we've been as bad as we have for the majority of it. So I think it, it depends massively on it's it's about ambition, isn't it? And you know, Mickey Apples can only do what he can with the tools that he's got. There's going to be need to be investment in January to strengthen because I don't think the squad that we have as a whole is good enough to be considered a real top six side. I think that's pretty obvious. But I think the eleven we have when fit could probably be considered as one of the better sides in the division. The problem is when it comes to depth and we start losing players, and sadly that is a pattern for us. So look, it's gonna be it's gonna be a real test. And I enjoy these sorts of games because I always think that especially if we if we're the winner in these games, it feels like we're we're back amongst it, especially a side that's not lost at all this season. If we can get a result there, then it gives you that hope again. But it's it's just a little bit frustrating for me that I always feel like we're starting behind because when we've got, like I say, a, a strong 11, in my opinion, I think we've probably got one of the best goal scorers, if not the best goal scorer in the league, two great centre mids in Watson and Dobson and all these other talents are throughout our side. I mean, Pompey fans are bricking it over Blackett Taylor. Like, we've got these talents in our side, but we're still not good enough. So it's trying to bridge that gap. And the only way we're going to do that is by picking up results. Mm, yeah, Mr. Curly Worley says if Pompey beat us on Saturday, then I fully believe they will win the league. Yeah, we're just the final hurdle they've got to get over, really, isn't it? With our, our, our weird record down there. I mean, all hell let loose and Sam have both said we need to make 11 changes from the side uh, last Sunday, almost reversed to our, to our team. I mean, Andrew said who plays number 10. So if you remember back to our last league game, um, Pan Kamara started in the number 10 role before going off injured quite early. So Alfie May, who had actually started wide, and if I, I think he played wide when he came on against Cray, didn't he? Um, went back to his more central role, uh, where for me he felt more more involved. Obviously, got his two goals in that position. Uh, Tyrese Campbell came off the bench and played very well. I thought against uh, Wigan Athletic. Um, so yeah, what what changes would you like to see, Tom? Uh, all hell let loose is uh, is asking if there's anyone who you saw play on Sunday that you'd like to see start against Portsmouth. I mean, is is there anyone in that that starting eleven you're desperate to to give another crack of the whip to? Uh, not that I want to see. And to clarify my last point, it wasn't that I want anyone from Sunday to start. It's just that I think a few of them probably will. So Terrell Thomas probably is going to, although possibly not. Now Now Eden's back. Um, Scott Fraser is obviously part of the conversation for that midfield. Uh, and Tedic uh, up front. I think those are players who, if I see them on, on Saturday, I wouldn't be surprised. Whether I'm happy about it or not is a different question. For me, I think May at number 10, I, I like him there. I know there's maybe less involvement, as you've just referred to, but he still gets forward. He still makes those late runs and he still gets on the end of it and scores goals. Uh, and Tyrese and Corey, if they're both fit, I quite like them out wide. Um, I, I still want to see... I know Tedich played kind of more through the middle against Cray and didn't, didn't do a brilliant job. I wonder if that was more down to service from the wide areas because of the likes of Kirk not having great games, uh, to put it mildly. But... I wonder if it isn't going to be Miles up top. I still would like to see Tedic do it in a league game with the quality coming in from out wide and see if he can do it. Um, and and then in the middle, I'd prefer Louis Watson alongside Dobson uh, over Fraser. But, you know, Fraser might get a chance there. So, yeah, a, a whole host. I'd expect sort of nine changes at, at least from that side on Sunday. I think a couple of them might sneak in. Thomas maybe out of necessity. Fraser maybe from a rotation point of view and maybe Tedic. But... Yeah, I, there could quite easily be 11 changes. Uh, and, I, you know, if that's the case, then, as I say, it's not like anybody had earned that start based on that performance. Mm, I just see Andy Miller said he's just got home from the Wigan game. He must have gone in Avanti, mustn't he? Those, those, uh, those trains aren't ideal. No, he came all the way from somewhere in the States, Ohio, if I remember uh, correctly. I'm glad, I'm glad you got to that game. Um, I'm, I'm glad you got to see a really good uh, away game. We've also, obviously, the, the full roller coaster ride of what being a, a Charlton fan is with that, that last seven minutes where we collapse somewhat. And that is a, a question. It's obviously, it's the pressure been in the pressure cooker, whether it is away at Wigan in front of their 300 fans or, you know, at home to an eight-tier Cray Valley uh, or away at Lincoln where we have struggled, uh, you know, we struggled a bit after having started well. You know, we, we, we are at times recently and certainly quite a lot last year when, when the going got tough, we, we, we were on our heels, weren't we? Um, 
how how does that change for Saturday where, you know, Fratton Park, despite the historical results we've had there, is actually quite an interesting place to go and, go, go and play football. You're, they're right on top of you. We've got a packed out away end, as we always do down there, which will help. But, you know, that that is a bit of a pressure cooker, especially when they're playing well. Because, as, as we said, we've gone there when they've been a decent team, but we've actually coaxed some poor performances out of them before, which makes it easier for us. But we'll go there Saturday. They'll be bang up for it. So I imagine it, it will be quite a difficult environment to be playing in so basically who's going to take the reins and make sure that we don't melt <laughs> well it's difficult to say in it really but um you're looking at your leaders which uh, we touched on earlier i don't think there are enough of them but you know dobbo is someone that will fire you up i think alfie may i've touched on the show before that he gets people riled up doesn't he like when he scores a goal he, he celebrates he's straight over to the fans he's he's you know, giving it to our fans, trying to sort of GM up. People like that, like the big characters, that's what you're relying on because, you know, when you see that on the pitch, you see that translating the fans back it, when the fans see a bit of passion on the pitch, that riles us and raises the volume in the stand. So that's going to be key for us. It's if there's enough of those characters in our in our eleven. you know, you're looking at players like, you know, with big experience, used to playing in front of big crowds like Hector and people like that to step up a little bit. And I don't think he's stepped up enough this season. So it's going to be time for someone like him to step up and 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 show, you know, his leadership qualities. I've already said about Dobbo and Alfie May. Corey, you know, being that player that gets fans off their seats, makes Portsmouth fans uncomfortable because he's always seems to be like an absolute world beater when he plays against them. You know, they're, they're going to play to their strengths, which is being at Fratton Park and being on top. But we've got to play to our strengths is that they find us threatening especially the likes of players like Corey Blackett-Taylor. So it's going to be about, you know, finding our strength, sticking to them, uh, and also, you know, standing up and being counted on the pitch and, and using that leadership quality. Because otherwise, as you say, it's a very difficult place to go. We've been there before when they've been a fairly decent side and we've come out of it victorious. This season, they're probably a little bit of a different animal because they're top uh, and the confidence there seems to be much higher I worry a little bit about our defence dealing with with a prolific striker like Colby Bishop, but as I say, they've got to, they've got to up their game a little bit. The, the likes of Hector and, and Jones have got to be difficult, you know, make it make the game difficult. Mark that guy out of the game, like I imagine Portsmouth are going to try and do to Alfie May. Odd, mm, I mean, flashbacks of when we played Ipswich away last season, and, and we we're up against a striker like Connor Chaplin, like a, a proper talented League One striker, and how how poorly we dealt with him and hopefully it won't be the same with Bishop over the weekend. Dean makes a very fair point. What what a Tedich, you know, I can't I can't see Tedich as a game changer or a threat. You know, I remember his first he says what were his strengths. Um what I me- I remember when he first, he had his first couple of cameos. He won a penalty at Stevenage, uh scored a goal against Wickham, the, you know, all these sort of early on in his time. And I remember thinking like I mean, in fact, I remember saying on the show, like he's he's made a difference, but none of us could put our finger on exactly what he did. <laughs> like he just came on, was there, and got fouled. Like as it's worn on, we haven't quite seen what what we're going to get from him yet, which has been frustrating. Uh, another good shout. Paul says uh, Louis Watson has to start on Saturday. Louis Watson over Fraser for me feels like an absolute must, given the way we've played when he has played over the last few weeks. Yeah, hundred percent for me. Yeah, I, I really like him. I think. Going back to, and I know you've said we'll maybe do a show on it at some point, but going back to those people we've brought in, he has he has stood out. I remember when he first came on, I think it was his first game, he didn't blow me away, but then he's come in ever since and been so solid. And yeah, I think we've said for the last couple of weeks, Fraser's got a good pass in him, some good movement, obviously got his goal against an eighth tier side at the weekend. But I think sometimes we carry him a little bit and we're going to need that, that energy in the middle against a good Pompey side. So uh yeah, I think um, particularly if they're playing the, the the two deep midfielders their way as well, then I think we're going to need that. So, yeah, him going back to that Tedich point, uh, you know, it's not like I'm saying that I've seen something others others haven't either. I think he does bring some 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 pace and some power potentially. Although I've seen somebody say he got kind of marked out of the game a little bit again on Sunday, but again, no one blew him away. Uh, no one kind of blew us away. But I think that's why I want him to have an opportunity there. I think Miles is. He's looking okay. He's looking good. He's getting some goals. Tedich might be awful if he tried up there in a decent side. I don't know, but that, that's the point. I don't know. And whilst we haven't got Chucks, I feel like we need to know if there's somebody else capable of playing that role, because if not, we're kind of just lumping it all on on Miles. Maybe Saturday isn't the game to try that. I don't know. Maybe Sunday was and he, he didn't audition very well. So, uh, 
yeah, it's a good point, well made. But in terms of the Louis Watson piece, I think, yeah, absolutely, he starts alongside Dobbo. Excellent stuff. Right, we've run out of time on this week's big match preview. Uh, just a couple of uh, notices. Don't forget to check out our merchandise store, charltonlive.ac.com. Uh, coming up to Christmas now, so get the uh, person you love the most, a Charlton Live mug, just to show exactly how much uh, you love them. So that's charltonlive.ac.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel um, or to uh, our podcast page, wherever you find us on all, all the apps, Apple Pods, Acast, Spotify, all of that stuff. Uh, we're all over that. Make sure you subscribe to us uh, all over that. Massive thanks to our guest, uh, Andy, earlier on in the show, told us all about uh, Portsmouth, which we're looking forward to playing uh, on Saturday. Massive thank you to Lewis and Tom, as per always, a pleasure to speak to the pair of you. Cheers, Cheers guys. Lads. Excellent stuff. Right, I'm Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, a bedroom and a bar from installation. Don't forget, we'll be back on Sunday uh, to look back at the game uh, against Portsmouth. Let's hope that we get our traditional three points down at Fratton Park, because uh, we could certainly all do with a lift. We shall see you later. <laughs>